It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers. Gentlemen, what the Sam heck is going on? How's everybody doing? I think that's the the, the coaching uh, the coaching staff of the Blues is probably asking that damn same thing for Christ's sake. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough one out and, there right now. And, and I like and for a while, and we'll bring Jamie into the program in a sure, second as soon as he gets here. But but uh, but but for a while, you know, I was kind of riding the wave with no you know real uh, panic. I think I've got some panic starting so, to set in a little. Not bit. you. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the last time that. we talked, panic. The button was by you, but your hand wasn't on it yet. Right. Is that I, correct? I think we're getting close to the button. Now. You know what the button Are is you to me it now. Mm. You know what the the button is to the me. Button. Yeah, yeah, I, I am. The button to me is you have a date or that or or that or that or that, or that dance or something or a big event coming up this weekend and right around Tuesday afternoon you got a zit coming <laughs> right here and you're wondering by Saturday how big this sucker's gonna get. I had That's a what heater I'm concerned about. on my forehead for my wedding day oh, and it came. Man. It literally. Came out of nowhere. It was like a 24-hour heater, and it was the size of, like, a rock. And so I'm sitting there, and the, the great debate then is how do I handle this, right? Yeah. Like, if I try and pop it, maybe it gets worse. And then I'm like, I'm just going to take a little pin and maybe just force it, right? Sure. Then, no, don't do that because what if it gets infected and you're going to look like you've got some kind of a disease on your wedding day? Right. Which is never good. No. Um, but so then I had to have the makeup crew. My my wife's friends good call, though. came That's in and really they good call. makeuped it. And when you look at the picture straight on, you can't tell it's there. But if you see a side profile, it looks like I'm growing a horn. <laughs> been there, man. Been yeah, there. It might have actually been natural. That's I mean, it's good to have those friends in those situations, though. Yeah, man. yeah, so yeah. Makeup. Yeah. So so when we talk about our blues, Jamie, th- this is definitely directed to you. So we know the injuries. You know, there, there's a million reasons why, but as we're, you know, m- moving towards the end of the season, you see Colorado doing what they do, Vegas doing what they do. Man, I don't feel great about everything that's going on right now. Can you can you just kind of talk about it a little bit? What do you think? Man? Well, look, we're, we're a tough part of the season for sure. When you look at the 
the bulk of the games that you have left are against Colorado, Vegas, and and the Wild. Right. You've got a couple spotted in there for Anaheim, two left, I guess, and one against L.A. and one against the Coyotes. L.A. and the Coyotes being of most concern because they're the ones nipping at your heels in the playoff race. Um, but I do see a team that is still trying to find its chemistry. And what's weird about it is, well, we got everybody back. You know, almost everybody's back now. Well, yeah, but they were gone for so long that the dynamic of the team had changed in a different direction. You had a bunch of young kids, plumbers, you know, whatever you want to call them, hard hat guys, pulling through and just kind of sort of getting the job done, playing 500 hockey, but nonetheless, your team had adopted a certain style at that time. Now you get back some more dynamic players. You've got to shift gears again. You've got to find the right line combinations for these guys. You've got to find the right situations for these guys. These guys got to get themselves back into game shape. I know it's, it's crazy, but Vladdy has barely played in two seasons. Right. Barely. So to expect him to come back and be lights out right away, I just don't think that's reasonable. Jaden Schwartz, look, he, he hustles all over the place, but the timing for the offense, that takes a little while. And the line mates. How many, how many different lines have we seen in the last four weeks? Right. So, and we saw it again last game. Chief shuffled it around, which I thought he should have, because what he had going on was not working, and he knew it. So we'll see what comes at us on Friday when they play the Avalanche. Uh, but there's, there's those things. And the other thing, guys, is we're getting a lot of shots, but there's absolutely no net presence. None. 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 Zero. Like Braden Shen mm-hmm. might be the only guy right now that's going to the net and staying there. And I was asked an interesting question yesterday by Brad Thompson. He said, but we're out shooting the opposition. Why are we not scoring more? What's the problem here? And I said, it's play selection is the problem. And what I mean by that is you have to have a guy driving to the net. If you don't, it's just a shot on net from a bad angle. If you shoot from the blue line, there's nobody in front. The goalie can see it. He can stop it. He can uh, put the rebound down, give it to the D-man. They can break out. You don't get that extended pressure or that chaos that can create some of those playoff-style goals. So the Blues, when they come down the wing and they don't see anybody in front, they're looking for a bigger, better option, which sometimes it's not there, so it kills the offense. Or they're throwing it on net and it's just a turnover, but it's a shot on net. So they have to get back to playing where there's a sense of urgency of driving to the net. The reason the middle lane drive is so important is the goalie feels that pressure too. So if you have a goalie and he's lined up facing the shot and you have middle lane drive coming at 20 miles an hour, huffing, you can hear these guys in the battling with the D, there's noise going on. The goalie has to get set now and he has to be aware of the guy coming to the net, the guy shooting the puck. Maybe they're going to crash into me. Maybe they won't. Maybe I'll have a bad rebound. I can't do that. And all of a sudden, it changes the dynamic of how the goalie is going to handle that shot. And more often than not, it explodes somehow or it gets deflected or goes off a leg. And then there's chaos. And then you can't find the puck and then it's in the back of the net. So for me, the Blues aren't creating enough positive chaos in the offensive zone. It's just too much perimeter, too much from the blue line, not enough inside uh, I, I what just, I call the battle zone. I right. want to throw this on that. I don't see any of it. None of like, it. None at, of it. Like, at, like at all. And it is so maddeningly frustrating because we know we've seen this before. Back in the Ken Hitchcock days when there'd be 64 shots on that. Right, well, that's, right. that's great that there's that yeah. many, but it's about the quality. But that's the thing, right? Because we go back to that and people go, well, why don't we just funnel pucks to the net? Okay. Here's where I'm at with it, okay, is when I coach a team, I don't necessarily want to funnel pucks to the net. I don't want to pass up good shots on net, that's for sure, but I want to funnel bodies to the net. That's when I, t- when I coach the kids, 
when I coach pro, when I coach anybody, I'm like, we funnel bodies to the net. The more bodies we can get to the net, the greater opportunity we have to score a goal. And that way there, the the low percentage shot that you're taking, it's actually creating offense. If you funnel pucks to the net, all that means you're shooting from everywhere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean there's anybody there. It doesn't mean you have a second opportunity on it. So for me, you funnel bodies to the net, and that creates that offensive chaos that can lead to goals. Speaking of offensive chaos and and just stuff around the goals and in the corners and forechecking and all that stuff, I thought the fourth line, and and specifically De La Rose, has been playing so such good hockey lately that I think success is going to come on that line eventually. But talk about the fourth line and how – because think about how important it was back when Steen was doing it. Yeah. And if we could get that sort of fourth line, that could help. And I thought they've played very well – recently i think they have played well although i think a couple of them are confused and uh, is de la rose one of them that's confused no i I just gave him a compliment i like what he's done okay uh but the fact that de la rose had to answer the bell for a hit on the um was it the uh what what team was that the ducks defenseman drysdale yeah the fact that de la rose had to answer that bell and that a line mate a certain line mate that was on the ice for three four shifts before that never stepped in the fact that uh, Braden Shen has had to answer the bell two different times. The fact that Zach Sanford's had to answer the bell. Cl- Kyle Clifford, hey, Cliffy, buddy, you're a heck of a guy, man. But you weren't brought here to, um, you know, kill penalties. Yes, you've you've killed a few, and you can do it. But he's out there forechecking, and he's coming up short. He's mm. blowing snow, stopping before the hit. He's turning away from plays. He's not aware of guys that are going after his teammates. I'm sorry, that's called taking inventory. I look around on the ice, and I always knew someone was coming for a teammate. Very seldom did I ever look over and be like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. You know. A guy know. with a couple of Stanley Cup, cup or rings knows. He should he know. He should know this. A guy that's yeah. been in that many fights, he knows, okay? And I'm disappointed because Braden Shen, look, at the one right off the faceoff in Minnesota, there's nothing anybody can do about that. Braden Shen wanted to get things going, and right. I applaud him for that, okay? But then he had to fight again. For the guy that hit Vladdy, and I know that Shanner's doing his job there, but after that, Kyle Clifford has to start buzzing the tower out there. He's got to start buzzing the tower on other guys. Like he should have been in Getzlaff's face. He should have been in like you just can't have that happen. And De La Rose is on your line. Guys should be afraid to fight guys on your line. Mm. Good luck fighting anybody who played center between Chase and Twist. That was called diplomatic immunity. I know. I ended up playing there a couple of times. I ran around. Like I had a set of balls the size of church bells. <laughs> Which I've read. Which is possible. But, but So I'm pissed a little bit. But, yeah, but, I can but, tell, man. But here we are, again, having this conversation about Braden Shin having to be the guy to answer the friggin' bell. I don't want Braden Shin breaking his goddamn hand, getting into a fight, although I appreciate him doing what he's doing to me. And I know that this is a very dangerous game here in saying things like this. There is an element of toughness that this team does not contain right now that is very obvious to me. And, man, I think I see it on the on the defensive side of things as much as anything else. I feel like those Vegas Golden Knights forwards were able to goddamn camp out in front of, in, in front of Jordan Bennington yep. with zero repercussions. Zero. When it comes to that, when it comes to You're not right. clearing the, the, the front of the net, I think of stuff like, 
like, like, give me one Blues defenseman from the past, not named Jamie Rivers, that you would go, you know what, he would clear people's asses out in front of the net. Just give me one name. Well, Chris Pronger. Okay, Chris Pronger. <laughs> could we bring Chris Pronger in? Heck, well, you could, if you're going to do that, you could add guys that didn't let guys stand up. Rudy Poshak, Mark Bergevin. Right, well, I mean, my Todd po- Gill when he was here. Like, those guys cleared the front of the net. Chris McAlpine. Like, my- I'm not even picking superstars Right, here. exactly. And McAlpine was just big from the, from the waist down as far as thickness is concerned, and I mean his legs. But my whole point here is, with why wouldn't you bring some of these guys in to teach this, or do they know it and they're just not doing it? It's uh, listen, you've got guys that are are physically capable of doing it. Marco Scandell is a big guy; he's bigger than I am. He's six three, two ten, two fifteen. He's a big dude. Bortuzzo's bigger than I am. Um, you know, you've got Mikola, who's way bigger than everybody six foot six, six foot seven, whatever the hell he is. You have to want to do it, and that's my issue with it is. It's like blocking shots. I've always said this. Nobody likes to block a shot, but there's guys that are willing to do it. And not only are they willing to do it, they make sure they do it. And it's the same thing at clearing the net. You have to be aware. What I don't like, and I've seen this developing, and to your point, Donnie, is in the defensive zone we have defensemen who end up, you know, now now guys are so preoccupied with the guy standing in front that they're turning their back to the play. Watch the D zone. Watch the net front D is literally turning his back on the play and tying up the guy behind him. You can't see anything that's going on behind you. And that's the number one thing when I got in the NHL and guys like Al McInnes and guys like that would talk to me. Hey, try to be able to see as much of the ice as you can. And you learn then to battle side by side with a guy. And if you tried to spin around, get behind you, you'd back up and keep them at least level with you. So you could see the entire play developing and that way there, if it was a wrist shot that came in, you could front it and block it and head the other way. If it was a pass coming to the guy, tie him up, lift his stick, make his life miserable. When you turn your back on a play, man, that's easy ice because the guy that you're covering, he sees the play. And now he can react one way or the other, and you don't know what's going It's a guessing game. Let alone when the puck gets shot in towards the net. Let's say it goes off the goalie, then it goes off the back of your leg. You're like, what the hell just hit me? Right, you and have you're no around, idea. And you're scrambling. <laughs> Guess who knows where the puck is? The other forward. Right. So think about some of the goals that have happened here where Blues guys are standing there facing the wrong direction and all of a sudden they're tapping it into the open net. Can't have it. It's just poor coverage. It's it's nothing that's not systematic. It's it's being defensive-minded, knowing how to position yourself. So that's an issue for me right now. This isn't making me feel better. It's not. Not at all. He's supposed to make everything better. Right, right. right. He's supposed to tell us that one thing that makes us think we're crazy and that we're wrong. Do you want to go to a very positive uh, segment about all this and uh, talk Mike Hoffman? (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. All right. (laughs) I know people are going, hey, let's let's get rid of the guy. Let's trade him. Let's just keep playing him. Let's keep him and do the expansion draft thing. I have the perfect trade. I heard two different scenarios, and I like this scenario better. And you tell me. And I don't know. Years of service. I don't know how much everybody's going to cost to get the cap. All that other stuff that you fancy so you're just people know like about. Fantasy GM. Sure. Okay. No, I don't think this is a fantasy though. I told Donnie about it. And I think it's very doable. Hmm. Mike Hoffman for both of the Kachuk brothers. Could we make? <laughs> <laughs> if we just just quietly oh submit God. the paperwork and see what happens before you give what me a I real answer. Do. What yeah. I would do to right. get one of those two, let alone both of them. This is why I want grip. the two of them. And I know this is fantasy talk, and we can get back to reality in a second but imagine the two of them in in a blues uniform first of all i don't want to i don't want to speak to everybody's uh broken hearts right now 
but they could be the next coming of the Plager brothers. 100%. And the reason why I love these two is every time you see them on the ice, especially if their lid comes off, they look like they just got yelled at by mom because they're playing hockey too loud in the basement again. <laughs> Being too I rough. love those two so much. I, I listen, they're, they're two kids. First of all, they're two kids that I know personally so One well. One of the reasons yeah. I brought so it up. So well. yeah. Like, since they were just little, you know, booger picking things, running around the locker room to where – working on the ice with them as you watch them grow and, and, and get better through youth hockey here in St. Louis. And then now still having the ability to get on the ice with these guys in the summertime and work on skills. I just love these two. Yeah. The way they play the game is the way it's supposed to be played. And they've evolved, okay? So it's it's like, it's crazy. It's that old school brain, but there's a filter between the brain and the body a little bit, just enough mm-hmm. to keep them from getting suspended all the time in this, sure. this modern day NHL. And it makes them an absolute pain in the ass to play against. Matthew Kachuk will fight anybody now. People right. used to say, oh, he just dodges. He fights anybody now. And Brady's kind of getting there, too. You poke the bear the wrong way, and Brady's just going to say, screw it. I don't care. You're going to eat knuckles. I'm telling you, I'm a guy that when there's not a Blues game on, I surf for other games. And if one of those two guys is playing, I will set the remote down. They are much must-watch hockey for me. They're big walled. Yeah. Okay, they're Big Walt. They're a more polished version of Big Walt. And when I say that, it's not meaning better, more polished player. Just Walt was way more abrasive, way more like direct, but the game was different, right? So that's why they're a more polished version because the NHL, quite honestly, is a more polished version of the game of hockey. Sure. But they they kill penalties. They're out there. They're fighting. They're hitting. They're, and they're goal scorers. They're yeah. super talented. Super talented. Look at the way they play. Look at what Brady Kachuk is doing in Ottawa, and Ottawa is not a good team right, right now. Right. He will be the captain there. I predict next year that Brady Kachuk gets the C in Ottawa, and I don't think we're far off from Matthew getting it in Calgary. Oh, that's so, going to hinder my efforts here. It's, yes, it's really going to hinder your efforts, and those teams – Dummy? I'm sorry, guys. I just, just thought had, of something as you, as you were you talking about the stroke. Flames. I'm sorry. I thought he went and thought this was going to happen, but something else happened. I, no, yeah. no, no. I'm sorry. I thought maybe he was trying to fart. Yeah, that's and what I thought. Became, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. No, we tweeted about this. But but talking about Calgary, and I'm sorry to change subjects, but it just popped in. No, no. With that Daryl Sutter interview the oh, other day oh where they were gosh, talking about yeah. Johnny Gaudreau's 500th game, and he – what can you, can you kind of recap that? Yeah. And to me, like – First Savage. of all, Savage. it's completely – do you want to do that to one of your star guys who's getting ready to play in his 500th? I guess you do. He's a sutter. But, he doesn't care. No, you're right. You're very right. But but can you talk about that a little bit, man? <laughs> I, it just blew my mind watching that. So, okay. So, as Johnny just had a stroke, we'll sorry, explain – Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. We'll explain what just happened here. Is uh, something went off. The hamster woke up and jumped yeah. in its wheel at yep. warp speed. Yeah. <laughs> Daryl Sutter, for those who don't know or who are listening or maybe just are Blues fans, Daryl Sutter was a coach in Calgary uh, eons ago, brought the team to a Stanley Cup final, was a coach in L.A. for two Stanley Cup championships, and he was back on the farm in northern Alberta just doing his thing. And the Calgary Flames were playing a little bit of a softer style, okay? So they fired the coach and called Daryl and said, will you come back from the farm and coach this team? And Daryl's like, uh, okay, I'll do that. First day he gets there, he's got them bag skating up and down the ice. Mm-hmm. And he talks about effort. Like, you know, those guys, when they heard Daryl Sutter was going to be the coach, went, oh, <laughs> son of uh, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But so to your point, uh, Daryl's never made a lot of friends with his comments. 
But the players who have played for him love him. Craig Conroy, Jerome McGinley, talk about the guys in L.A. They'll tell you they loved it. They knew where they stood. They knew that the, if the effort was good, he was your best friend. He had your back. So to your comment in the press conference, Johnny Gaudreau, who is a very perimeter hockey player, and he's been very um, non-relevant at times throughout this season and then last season too. Uh, he had played his 499th game, the next game obviously being 500, and Daryl Sutter, who's at this press conference, which is funny as it is to watch Daryl in a press conference, let alone now through all the Zooms as he's trying to find the computer screen of, like, who's talking to him. Right. It's really kind of fun. You need to go to it. Calgary Flames on Twitter, they post everything, and it is, it's fun. And uh, so he's asked, you know, about Johnny Gaudreau and his fifth, 500th game, how exciting that's going to be and, and how big that moment is. And he basically says, oh, you want to talk about his 500th game? Well, I sure hope he had uh, has a lot more energy than he did in his 499th game. <laughs> and, and, and he did not break. At he all. did not smile. No, he, he, did, well, he doesn't smile. He just smile. stood there and, and, and just stared. Jeff, he had his smile physically. It, he had surgically removed. Oh, nice. <laughs> there was a six-second just complete silence. Did right you hear there. that some of the Zoom guys started to laugh? Yo, I, heard I, I, heard little, giggle. It, it, I heard a giggle. And you're right, as far as the smile, he is the guy that always looks like he just took a shot of, of Jägermeister. Yeah, or a big, like someone force-fed him a whole bag of Sour Patch Kids. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's even better. Well, you know, we can kind of tie this into the to the blues a little bit in the sense of, of Johnny Hockey, when his coach says something like that. But then also, what about Hoffman when he gets the healthy scratch the other night? As, as a veteran player... I mean, these kind. I mean, that's the way the coach is talking to you. Uh-huh. How do you? Because God, that has to be embarrassing on yeah. both fronts. That really, but but embarrassing for a reason, right. probably. Yeah, it's a kick in the egos. That's for sure. I'll tell you that much. Um, it sucks, and I've been through it quite a bit, actually. If you look at my career, maybe about half Stop the games it. been scratched. That's okay, though. Different reasons. I'll take that. I wasn't a twenty goal scorer. I'm okay with it. But yeah, but my, you're not getting scratched because of lack of effort, Rivers. No, no that no. was never the I problem. mean, never. Maybe lack of execution. And Stop just it. playing terrible. Um, <laughs> but no, nonetheless, uh, Mike Hoffman, it's a wake-up call, man. And look, we knew this was going to be a bit of a square peg, round hole fit you for said, Mike Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, we all had hoped that it would find its way organically without having to have a healthy scratch or, you know, this little battle between coach and player. It's hard, and I talked about it a long time ago. It's like getting a dog from somebody else who isn't quite trained the way you'd like it to be trained. You're in for a battle. You've got to break those old habits. You've got to try and train that dog to do what you want it to do, and sometimes it takes longer. Some dogs are more stubborn. Some dogs have habits that they've had way too long. I think that's where we're at here. But I think the number one thing with Mike Hoffman, and I think this is is sometimes difficult for fans and coaches and people alike to understand – He's the type of guy that can play an entire game and not sweat. Okay? And that always feels like, what is he not working? Mm-hmm. And, and what's going on? Guys like that, though, like Brad Hall used to be like that. You go a whole game, and he would sweat, of course. But what I'm talking about is they find those places offensively. They're not four checkers. They're not net front guys. Hollywood play an incredible game. And... You'd look at him, it was like almost effortless. You'd look at the score, she had four points, mm. and he had the game-winning goal. But that's one thing Holly did always have is game-winning goals, you know, or big power play goals. So, Mike Hoffman, you've got to perform. If you're not going to be a guy who's blood and guts, you've got to put the puck in the net. But I got a question for you guys now. 
what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? And this, mm. the reason I say this is because do you automatically put Mike Hoffman in the top six or does he earn his way there? So I guess the, the question is, is it the player that hasn't performed or the team that hasn't put him in a spot to perform? My first thought when you say that is if you put him on the fourth line, then you're not putting, you're not setting him up to deliver the goods from which, for which you hired him. In other words, you've said in the past, like a Justin Falk, his first year with the Blues, he was not in the right position, therefore he was not succeeding. So I think you're going to kick yourself in the foot and you kick him in the skates if you put him down on the fourth line. I say third line or you don't play him. Problem is they're playing him on the third line. No, then uh... he hasn't seen the top six in a while. I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't know. Listen, so are you man. willing to just say, hey, guess what? You're going to bump him up to the top six? Now, remember now, you've got uh-huh. Schwartz, Shen, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Perron, and Cairo. Those are your guys that have been carrying the torch for you. Listen, right. listen, man. The, the yeah, One of the reasons tough. that I love this team and I love Coach Berube is because every time that those guys are on the ice, it's because they deserved and earned the time on the ice. And I don't want Hoffman as the guy breaking that precedent. Right. And as a matter of fact, if, 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 if this is what we're going to get, and I'm not trying to completely dump on him. That, that's, But I mean, if... If a scratch is another is something that could still happen again, if they're not happy with his effort, I think that they should try to trade him and get something for him when they're not going to get him back next year before anything else. But I think he has to earn his spot, period, end of story. Everybody does. Having said that, I, I heard on your uh, fine uh, radio station, 101 ESPN, but I think it was BK throw out a scenario of if you could get a, what was it, a second round or something to that effect from franchise A over here and take those picks and take them to Buffalo and get yourself a Taylor Hall, would you do something like that? No. I would I wouldn't go I wouldn't touch Taylor Hall with a twenty foot pole. Because because he is he, he, is, is he would he be the same problem as we have with Hoffman here? Um look, first of all, okay, let's 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 isolate these two things. Hoffman's not a problem. Okay. He he's he's a guy that plays a certain style of hockey and he's not used to playing this style of hockey. Do I think he can adjust and and cross that threshold and play Baruby Hawk? I think he can get there. And my prediction is that he's going to be back in the lineup on Friday and that he'll be on the third line, but he'll get some spot duty up on one of the other lines. Uh, See, I didn't think of that fancy stuff. And so what's going to happen there is you're going to reward him just a little bit, give him a little extra treat up there for doing his job the right way. He'll Mm -hmm. see the power play, and you'll see a little bit more aggressive play out of Mike Hoffman, meaning just hunting down pucks, nothing physical and things like that. So you're assuming that this uh, healthy scratch got to him and he went, okay, this is what I got to do. Well, it opens the line of communication between the player and the coach because now they have to talk because what just happened is not fun. The coach didn't want to do it. The player didn't like it. So you either go your own way and you have this big, huge problem or you have to talk, which is usually how it works. And so they'll talk. They'll figure out a strategy as to how Mike Hoffman can best benefit the team and the individual himself. So I don't think that that's a foregone conclusion that that he's played his last game here, that he's done here, we need to trade him. I think there's still some good time. He's fifth in scoring on this team. Let's not forget that. He's played two less games than the guys who are ahead of him. Right. Let's not forget that, okay? See how he made sense of all this? Yeah. Damn it anyway. now, I'm such a knee-jerk reaction. Know, the flip side of it, Taylor Hall, guys, I just don't believe in the player, okay? He's a great individual player. Watch him play. There is not a whole lot of effort as far as a team game that's concerned. He was the first overall pick in Edmonton. He got traded. Think about that for a second. He got traded. He got traded in New Jersey. 
New Jersey had him. They had a chance as an unrestricted free agent to hang on to him. They didn't. They didn't. They traded him to to Arizona. Arizona had the chance to re-up him. They didn't. Buffalo had a chance to offer him a multi-year deal, somebody a multi-year deal. They didn't. Could he have tried to get that somewhere else, maybe two, three, four years? Could have, maybe. He kind of bet on himself a little bit in Buffalo. That's what I thought he was doing, was betting on himself. But the other night, they've lost 17 in a row, and I'm watching this game against Philly. Philly's creeping back into the game. They tie the game up. They're in overtime. A little bit of a broken play. Philly guy goes down the wall. Another guy goes down the middle of the ice. Taylor Hall is one of the fastest skaters in the NHL. Just period. He doesn't catch the guy. He's Man. three feet behind the guy. I was going to say he was a couple of strides behind three at least. Three feet behind the guy, and he stopped moving his feet just outside the blue line and coasted and let the pass go to his guy, and his guy scored. Yep. Barrett Saw Jackman it. and I were standing there together watching the game, watching the play. Jackson and I looked at each other and were like, oh, my God. And of course, Jax goes, why would he not even just try and dive there? Right. Just take a take a, a launch, in, you know, and you'll deflect the puck. He'll probably end up crashing right into the net. The net goes off the moorings, and guess what? We have a face-off. We start over. No goal, yeah. But we haven't lost the game, right? Taylor Hall decided not to do anything, and when they scored, just looped around and just skated right off the ice. You want that? How do you no. think that's going to work with Ryan O'Reilly? How do you think that's going to work with David Perron? How do you think that's going to work with Did you just with, describe with Mike Steve Hoffman, Ott? though? Did you just describe no. Mike Hoffman No, or I don't believe that. Okay, no, good. I do good. not believe that. Good. Mike Hoffman, um, as much as right now everybody wants to throw the, well, he doesn't work hard enough, this, that, the other, Adam. Again, I'm going to go back to what I said originally. It's like when you get a dog from somewhere else or someone else that's already been trained – it takes a longer amount of time to get that dog to learn your rules or to do what you want. Same with players. It takes a little bit longer, a little more effort, but the effort can't just be one-sided. Right. The effort can't just be the coaching staff telling him all the time, now that we've had the healthy scratch, now Mike Hoffman's going to go, okay, I need to put some effort in. Yeah, so- and I'm not trying to, to say that, that – that Hoffman is the is the the center of the troubles or anything along those lines. I think one, I'm antsy because they have not played well in a while. I'd like to see a little bit more, but but obviously, I think my expectations are a little bit askew. I think what's amazing to me, and we had this very same conversation. You probably don't remember it uh, about a year ago about PK Subban oh, uh, about well, yeah. just because I had asked you, mm-hmm. hey man, why does this guy who seemingly makes a ton of dough Franchise player, why does he keep getting traded? And Jamie, you were like, "Well, why do you think, man? Yeah, he's do you think guy. they want to be? Do you think organizations are going to want to trade a, a guy that's a great piece? There's got to be something going on there, and that is just absolutely amazing to me when you start to see that with players like that. And then, at what point does the GM go? You know what? That's just too much talent. I got to at least try. Somebody tries. That's why Taylor Hall got eight million dollars to go yeah. to Buffalo. Buffalo, right? Yeah. Right. It's what, it's what happens. That's why the GM got fired too. You know, because he's got a whole bunch of guys on that team now that he's given a bunch of money to that he's taken a chance on, and that haven't come through. Like Jeff Skinner, that guy's a bust right now. And Taylor Hall's Jack Eichel's hurt. I think Eichel's a hell of a player. But you go down the lineup, and it's like a bunch of misses. You can't have that many misses. When you're a GM, it was this the same GM that signed Taylor Hall that did the Ryan O'Reilly trade? Uh, 
Yes. <laughs> mm. uh, okay. Uh, mm. I did say that he's uh, he was fired. For, right? yes. Former yes. former general manager. Former. That's he probably, no, he's a GM at Applebee's. Should actually, right. We should send that guy flowers every year. Absolutely, oh, we great. should. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you, man. Jason Botterill. I played with him for Team Canada. Great dude. Man, well, thank you, Jason. Episode of the Last Minute Blues podcast. Well, it's done. It's in the books. We'll be back on Friday. Make sure you're sharing this podcast with your hockey-loving friends. Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango. It's the Last Minute Blues podcast, as always. Let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.